Andrea Brown. Yeah, a lot of fun, you could, man. We, you, could, you, you could say downtown Andrea Brown. Did I? I hope I didn't say that. That's that's mm. lame. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, Andrea, though, uh, was. I thought it was very interesting to speak with her regarding someone who took a passion and turned it into just about a full-time occupation. Yeah, so we're referring to folk all y'all. Folk? Um, you gotta be careful how you say that, but it it, it is witty. Yeah, don't say it fast. It's it's witty for sure. Folk all y'all. She jumped into head and feet first, uh, the whole art of hosting artists, making available... in her own personal Perform- home. Performers, yeah, that she was passionate yeah. about, ma- making them available and, and giving them a platform, uh, opening up her home to, to home concerts and how she did that, which is intimidating, I think, to most people, and she she nailed it. Uh, and then she turned it into, even into a bigger endeavor, partnering up with the Crosstown Arts, hosting fantastic singer-songwriter uh, endeavors. Yeah, so check out Folk All Y'all around town once as we've said many times in these bumpers (laughs) um, once all of this virus pandemic COVID-19 stuff clears up we're able to get back to something that resembles normal right so yeah but enjoy this interview with Andrea this was fun it's Andrea Brown hey welcome Thanks so much. Hey, Memphis Machine is excited to have you on today. Um, like I just mentioned, we just had some Waffle House. We can talk about that. We should get them as a sponsor. We eat at Waffle House quite a bit. It's right up the road. This is right up the road. It's, it's way easy. too easy. Yeah, way too easy. <laughs> but um, welcome. And I, I, like we mentioned, let's just jump right into uh, to your blog, to, to your scene, Folk All Y'all. Fantastic. I love, you got to be careful how you say that. You do. I've actually been on, I've had guests on like morning TV shows. Oh, yeah. And they won't say it. Oh! They won't actually say oh. the name of the series. They'll just be like, this person is performing in a place and you should go to it. And here's the address. So, oh. yeah, it's, it, I didn't they, realize it would be controversial. They never come, actually come around. They won't it. actually say it out loud. No, <laughs> oh, not before rich. 10 a.m. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. that's great. Just too much liability, right? Oh. Just, it's, and you can't, if you trip, it could be a mess. So, <laughs> say it too quickly. Yeah, yeah, I do have to enunciate. I mean, I guess when you, when you searched the web, it, it, it was available. You didn't have to buy that. It was right you? there. Right yep. there. Oh, yep. I bet that felt great, actually. <laughs> so 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 jump in let let it like take us into to your world ah well that's a, that's uh, that's deep i don't know how far, i don't know how far in there you want to go but basically folk all y'all is a concert series yeah uh it stemmed out of a house concert series so i actually was doing shows in my own home for oh, wow. three years before we became a public entity yeah um you'll notice i have a tendency to say we it is just me. <laughs> I am. It is a solo nonprofit effort, or very much was uh, up until actually a partnership in the last year or so. But okay. uh, yeah, I mean, it really started from. I mean, to go way, way back. Uh, I mean, I have been in Memphis for twenty years. Yeah. And shortly after I got here, uh, I my husband at the time was involved in the music scene, involved in the recording academy, oh, and yeah. so I sort of was, you know, tangentially connected and saw things and you know was in events and things that I might not have otherwise been and through that experience I went to the premier 
premier player awards very early on and saw this kid play named Corey Brannon. Yeah. And uh, he, at the time, had not released an album. No one really knew who he was. But even that night, he won Songwriter of the Year. He won, like, Up and Comer. So he was something, and I could tell it was really this interesting artist that was happening. And I was just really taken with, with his work. And about the same time, Chris Harrington actually did a story on him at the Flyer. Talk, and in the interview, Corey said something about, like, being able to see himself just, like, drunk in a corner at a bar in Memphis in 20 years. And it hurt my heart. Oh. Yeah. I thought I can't. And even in the time, I'd, I mean, I'd been in Memphis all of a year at that point, and I'd seen like it's. It was so amazing. There was so much talent, right? But the push to get out of Memphis wasn't there. Like I just weren't. I'd, I'd seen a lot of people just kind of stay in the same spot, and which was great for the people who live here. Yeah. Um, but I felt like there were all these opportunities, and for him in particular, I just I couldn't stand it, and I literally started a website. Uh, that was intended to focus on, you know, kind of the next generation, the new Memphis. Yeah. Um, and he was the only artist that I had featured on it. And me doing that work ended up getting his attention. He started, you know, telling me his show dates, giving me information. And then once he actually had his real website up and running, I became his webmaster and I ran a street team and I was doing his merch fulfillment. Goodness. And eventually I became his booking agent. Yeah. And once there was someone in town who was doing booking, then other people hear that there's people doing booking. And I knew nothing. I mean, I was an English major. Like it was not, it was not my world, but I've learned that if you can run a spreadsheet, you will always have a career in the music industry. Oh, wow. So I was helping, you know, Corey and eventually Blair Combest and Jimmy Davis and Susan Marshall, kind of just a fleet of singer-songwriters that I really respected yeah. and thought needed to be out in the world. Um, but at the time, I was also running a retail store. I had two small children. And eventually, it just got to be a little too much. And I stepped away from it and kind of set it aside for a while. And then about seven, eight years later, I had a friend of mine from high school and college coming through town. And he needed a gig. And he was a singer-songwriter. And I just couldn't imagine him in a bar setting. It just wasn't his vibe. Like, he just is very, he just was very literary. He needed that sort of attention. More and of a showcase. Yeah, something yeah. where people would actually hear what yeah. he was saying. Mm -hmm. And Other Ones was booked. <laughs> there just wasn't anywhere else for him to go. So I thought, well, I'll just do... I'll just do a show in my backyard. <laughs> like, it'll be fine. People brought their own chairs. Like, they had to stand in front of, you know, had to keep people moving in front of the motion light so the spotlight would stay on him in the backyard. It was very rustic and very sweet. And, I mean, at that time, I'd been to literally one house show yeah. uh, run by, actually, Jim and Susan Lattimore at Memphis House Concerts. They were mm -hmm. doing awesome things for years and years. And... Um, but I just did it one time. It was just kind of a fluke and, mm -hmm. and whatever. And then about six months after that, there was an artist coming through town that I really wanted to see, David Wilcox. And I had left him from high school. Like I just, he did 20 years of fandom of this artist and I was so excited to see him and I just couldn't, I couldn't get my hands on tickets. Like it just didn't, like the venue didn't really communicate what was happening and I just, I couldn't get to it. And about two weeks before the show was supposed to happen, I sent a message through his website and just asked what was going on and how I could how I could get there and his manager replied said we're really sorry we had to cancel the show there were logistical issues it just didn't work hmm. and in a fit of overconfidence I said well would you think about doing a house show and this is an artist who plays I mean he played theaters and does you know I mean he was you know a respected touring artist and they said sure 
Mm. And so with two weeks notice, and that's really when Folk All Y'all became a real thing because I needed to make a website. I needed yeah. to make it look like it was a place where people would spend money and come and be legitimate. So that was really kind of the start of it officially being a thing. Uh, six months later, he came back. Like it was, it, they generally say with a house show, you can expect, you know, 10 to 15% attrition on RSVPs. Like people just don't show up. And somehow we ended up over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had a great night and it, you know, financially was fantastic. Yeah. And it just really opened my eyes to the fact that here's this opportunity that touring artists can have to have a welcoming environment, to have right. someplace people are actually really paying attention. And uh, and the fundamental principle of the house show is that all the money goes to the artist. So there's, you know, you kind of absorb the overhead and, and everything goes to them. So that was the concept. And then it just sort of built from there within, you know, less than a year from that, John Moreland's agent reached out to me and asked if I would do a show. And at that point, he was very kind of under the radar. He came, there were 25 people in my dining room. His mother sold merch on my buffet. Yeah. Like it was right before, you know, yeah, he kind of got on that on-ramp. Yeah, I mean, a year later, he was on Colbert. Ah. So it's been fun to be part of that. And so I was doing it at my house and I did it for, you know, three years. I had people that were helping out and sponsoring I got I was able to buy my own you know real PA I had 40 folding chairs I converted my chandelier into a spotlight in my dining room <laughs> like I just it was very DIY I had a partnership with a uh, local restaurant so I was providing meals I was doing, I was doing the whole thing and they were you know artists were mostly staying at my house and so mm-hmm. it was a <laughs> we're running Airbnb we're I mean <laughs> front end uh, doing the whole thing and um, really enjoyed it and really loved having that experience but it got to the point where Memphis is Memphis and there's so much competition for attention and yeah. so many great things happening out there that people would say they were interested and they I fully believe that they were but that attrition rate kept dropping and dropping people would RSVP and not show up and so mm-hmm. it just kept getting lower and lower and really fundamentally you know as you all know you'll play for whoever shows up and that's right. great but I, I wanted to have manage expectations and to know what was going to happen and fundamentally I realized like I need to be able to sell tickets yeah. and you just can't do that in a house show you just you have to you have to ask people nicely to come and they donate if they want it and all of that is very oh, wow. uh there's just rules so you're yeah, basically okay. not running an unauthorized venue right, in a neighborhood right, yeah, yeah. yeah um so and i'm very much a rule follower so i wanted to do everything you know by the book so i realized i just needed it to be public and the first year or so that i did it i kind of moved around a little bit i had a lot of shows in my office i was very lucky to have support of uh the people there and um but from an expense standpoint I was still giving 100% of the door away mm. and our expenses were going up and I had things that needed yeah. to needed to get covered so I needed to figure out a way to make it be sustainable and I kept thinking you know I was thinking about becoming a nonprofit I was thinking about you know doing all sorts of different things and what I eventually landed on was I'd seen a lot of my other musician friends using Patreon yeah. and you know that's intended for creators and people who are making things and then they offer it to the world and people pledge however much they want you know back towards them and get different levels of rewards for doing that i hadn't seen anyone do it for this type of service or or uh, model but i thought well let's give it a shot and so far it's worked i mean it's we're not 100 percent funded but it makes it possible for me to do it um 
this is not my job. <laughs> I don't get, I, I don't take any money for it. Uh-huh. Uh, it is basically just a hobby that I'm really passionate about. And so it's on top of my full-time job and f- freelancing. And it's this other thing that, Goodness gracious. that I do. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, Patreon's made it possible for that to happen. And then at the beginning of this year, uh, really had the incredible fortune of um, coordinating with Crosstown Arts. And yeah. they've, um, you know, we're really behind our mission and really in support of um, the idea of bringing, I mean, my, my concept fundamentally was I wanted to make Memphis a welcoming stop for singer-songwriters in particular, but, mm-hmm. you know, other artists who will then come back and tell other people how great it is, and it'll all, you know, it just, it just builds that community, you know, kind of from the outside in, and a lot of people have loved it so much, they come back, they stay, they hang out, they, you know, kind of incorporate with the people that are here, I think it just builds that that more and more, and so Cross on Arts was happy to be part of it, and they let me basically keep my same model, um, and then just use the space and operate out of there, and uh, it's been a really great collaboration. That's fantastic. Um, so, which which venues are you using at Crosstown? Is it primarily? We're in the green room. Green room, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love the green room. Yeah, that's a good listening. That's it's a, that's perfect. Great, I mean, yeah. that was if I had been able to make a room from scratch, that's what I would have wanted it to be. Let me go back to um, the thing of having a bunch of people in your house, because for some folks, especially my mother, who, that that would just weird her out. I think. Like, is, is that was that was there a threshold of, of like, okay, I'm I'm going to open my home to the world. It's a little odd. I mean, you fundamentally the the concept is that you're inviting friends and neighbors and right. people you know, but it wasn't. I mean, fundamentally, it was probably eighty percent people I'd never laid eyes on before. Right. And what was funny for me is I think it was just as much a barrier for people to come as it was for me. You know, it was a bigger barrier for people to come into a house with someone they didn't know than it was for me to open my house. Okay. Because really, it's I, I wanted to trust that like, if someone's coming to this thing, if they're willing to do it, like, it's just not known for nefariousness. <laughs> like, you just don't see a lot of mm-hmm. problems out of this world. But I know as a guest, I've seen people play house shows. And if I don't know the home well if i don't you know if i if yeah. i don't really know what i'm getting into there can be a little bit of intimidation it, wow. it's kind of as, as someone who's attended one uh it was michael jeffrey stevens uh the jazz pianist uh, right when i moved to town that was 10 years ago now wow um yeah i attended one he called it a jazz salon but it's the same concept you know it's just, and uh yeah it was it it there's a comfort thing there where it's well or discomfort <laughs> where you know I'm like I feel like I'm invading someone's home you know uh, but you know it, it took about I, one set to get past that and everybody was cool and yeah like you know. 20 some odd years ago or longer I, I, I went I, I went to a gig at a house thinking we were just the background music while there was a party going on and it was actually a house concert oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah kind of like, and so which weirded me out because I because all of a sudden everyone's actually seated and they're looking at you and I thought oh I thought we were going to be furniture musical furniture while people were eating hors d'oeuvres and whatnot. The concept's great, was, uh, though, yeah. Because, no, it was, because everybody who shows up there is showing up to yeah uh, specifically for the same, not for a background thing. You know, it's yeah. it's nice. I mean, so, and, and for that part, I do like listening rooms. But so yeah. do you still host some one-offs, or is, is that kind of all in the past now? It's do you miss it? It's been a while. Yeah. Um, there were one or two that sometimes you know didn't fit into. You know, I had someone coming through and couldn't get a space available, and so we just made it work. But um, I do miss it. I mean, it's there. 
there were definite challenges. Like it, the amount of work was mm-hmm. colossal. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm a single mom. I'm doing it by myself. So it's uh, it's a relief to not have 100% of making a venue be yeah. on my shoulders anymore. Are your kids old enough you could employ them now? Can I get them in on They've the business? Gotten, yeah, they're around. So they're like, they're 16 <laughs> and 12. So on occasion, yeah, now yeah, my daughter's been working the door if I need her to. Yes, or yes. Yeah. My, my wife actually works at Opera Memphis and my oldest daughter is helping hang lights and do stuff like that. It's like, okay, get on the lift. Go mm-hmm. crazy. It's been, no, that's that's fabulous. Uh, what, we shouldn't you, publicize We shouldn't publicize that? <laughs> oh, no, nah, that's totally good. She hasn't fallen out yet. It's a, uh, um, so your day gig, what, what, what's that consist of? What, 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 what's you know? You seem to have a lot of things going on. Right? I work in advertising. I'm yeah. a copywriter, so yeah. that's that's what I'm doing during this, the day. This, this is all in your wheelhouse, isn't it? You it know? is. I mean, yeah. fundamentally, it's about marketing and promoting and yeah. communicating and getting you know getting the word out. So originally, what? how did you get the word out for the the first concert house house shows? Really, I mean, social media was really the biggest tool that I had you know on occasion we would get attention from you know I would try to get as much press as I could and you know try to get outside things but when you can't say where something is <laughs> you can't well, literally well, that's, listen to oh. press. And that, that's the other thing it's like uh, when, when I went to the to the ones I have that they've always been email right you know, so you there's a vetting sort yeah. of vetting process because you know they, they got their email for through a friend who right. trusts you and uh, uh, yeah, yeah so I would go through my contacts list and actually when Jim and Susan decided to kind of put Memphis House Concerts on hiatus they graciously gifted over their email list okay. with you know yeah. the notice of you know letting all the people know that that's what was happening but so I sort of inherited some of their contacts as well so people that were already interested in that type of st- uh, show and that style of music so that was helpful but yeah really i mean even now i think email is probably our the, most effective way of actually yeah. reaching people there was a scene of underground chefs hosting like, house yeah. dinners mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was when I mean, this is when i was Gorilla in st louis yeah yeah and it was yeah. it was just on the fence of being illegal or so like, the, the write-up was like this yeah, food, food you get just, real tricky right? yeah <laughs> yeah okay, that's so so what is it that artists don't get about marketing like what is it that you're constantly having to see again and again of like i don't know i think for them it's not even the not getting it as it is such a i mean it can be a full-time job like if you really want to put every single thing into it it is it and it it takes away from other time i mean i i will say i am the i am the classic advertising professional with half of a novel in a drawer because when you're focusing on other work Mm -hmm. it's harder to focus on your own Mm -hmm. creative outlet so when they're trying to balance that, it's just something that they need help with. They ha- right. And I think one of the things, I mean, I've really focused on, I generally do one show a month, very occasionally too. And part of that is so I can be their promoter. I can be the publicist. I am on the ground here. I'm sending stuff out to every, mm-hmm. you know, every media outlet in Memphis and trying to do those things that I know that they might not have the opportunity to do. But yeah, I wish I could do it for all their shows all the time. And, the, and then just, just trying to keep up with how social media is, like Facebook is constantly changing how they, yeah, I mean, everything. You yeah. Ha- yeah, at this point, you have to, you got to pay to play and you have to yeah. s- then hope that you're getting to the right eyeballs. And yeah. it's, yeah, I think really fundamentally being, you know, 
trying a to direct get contact with email having but I mean one of one of the artists that we've had repeatedly um, who's really amazing at it is Rebecca Loby uh, she was actually on season one of The Voice and mm. she's come through a few times uh, she plays solo she's also in a band called Nobody's Girl and then she's come in both configurations and they do I mean they will do Instagram takeovers she is she's actually a master of Patreon like she does all the things that they tell her to do as far right. as setting up promos and doing it like things work like if you actually follow the model there are successful ways of getting attention and building up support but yeah it's just time consuming and it's right. just not the thing that a lot of creative people roll out have of the energy to, to get, do get your coffee and start promoting yeah, yeah i mean unless you build in like yeah these are the two hours a day that i'm gonna do this it's yeah. hard to it's hard to do it and then go to the gym <laughs> <laughs> again we talked about that with chopek you know just yeah, and what, what, Steven, what you just said. Steven's yeah, he's he's like a little ninja. He's yeah, got that he's got you know, that going. amount of time every day to making calls and yeah. Yeah. There's a discipline there. <laughs> so how long so you've been at Crosstown for about a year now? Is that Crosstown right? we our first show was last October and actually it was our very first show at Crosstown was with David Wilcox, who was oh, the very yeah. first, right. you know, artist that I brought in. Wow. He's actually played that was his sixth show with us. So he's kind of okay. our patron saint. He's come back over Aww. and over. He's become a friend, which is surreal and mind blowing. Cause I literally would listen to his CD when I was, you know, going to sleep when I was in high school. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's become yeah a friend and mentor and just, he's an all around great guy. So it was perfect to kind of get us into that next stage to have him be there and be part of it. So it must feel pretty cool to uh, be uh, injecting goodness into the Memphis scene, like and, and seeing the fruits of that. I mean, it, it's been hasn't returned void, so to speak. Uh, to quote an old, uh, uh, you know, like, is, it, is that is it pretty awesome? Like you're just seeing it. It's great. I mean, what grow? really has been rewarding is seeing the audiences are so appreciative. Like, yeah, a lot of people have never experienced a show like this i mean it's still probably 25 to 50 percent at each show is people that are there for the first time and have never kind of been in that environment wow. i'm very mean and do a little intro at the beginning and tell people to put their phones away like oh. we're not gonna do this through a screen <laughs> and that started from being you know 20 people in my living room like we, we can't we can't do this you've gotta we're all gonna focus we're all gonna be part of this and i would record it and i still do now i mean i have i've got ht video i'm taking oh, pictures yeah. like i'm doing all of that to make sure people can you know prove that they were there later but for the show itself i really want people to see what it's like to just be there and yeah. to not make anyone else look at it through their screen and do all that so audiences are really appreciative of that even if they don't know that they're going to be going into it and they're getting to see people that they might not otherwise because um, i'm at this point really deliberately reaching out to artists that i feel have something to contribute some you know that i really want to see get more of mm. a foothold in the market and it's also fantastic on the other side to i mean we literally had an artist uh, in January who's been working for 15 years, and she said it was one of the best shows she's ever oh, had because yeah. they can feel that. Like, they just can feel when people are there and tuned in, and it's just a different kind of connection in that, you know, in that space. And again, across town, like, it's just, it's a warm and welcoming, and people just really feel like they are part of something. They're yeah. not just at a thing, they're actually part of it. So, on both sides of it, it's, I love being able to be the conduit to that experience you're preaching to the to the choir here that that we, how many times have we brought that up going got to go out see human beings do stuff yeah it's right 
the air you know, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's moving because of the music that's made is important yeah uh, yeah energy's real and, and, and something else uh, uh, David Corsair 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 thank you I want to say Corsair like the car every time I see his name <laughs> he just wrote a little bl- I, follow, I, I troll him on a I mean I, I stalk him on Facebook I, lo- I love David um, yeah don't troll him that's mean I, well that, that's not yeah but uh, <laughs> no no but he he made the point of, 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 a, of a new venue uh, Hernando's here and, and he, he made the point of like you know there's no TVs in there mm-hmm. yep. I was like duh look yeah. at that like yep. that yeah I can tell you how many games I've, I've played where yeah, oh, it's, you're it's playing another back. Oh, it's just it's, you know, it's like why am I so anno- why am I so irritated right now? You know, and come to find it, like yeah, it's just yeah. It's, and that's even I mean that's a fun room to play when no one's there. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> we experience it. Yeah. Well, there, there's that too. Yeah, <laughs> and it was still fun. <laughs> no, but that that's yeah the whole yeah especially with our so that makes sense the handhelds and, and everything today like to experience a room all together enjoying some art yeah and people aren't even necessarily resistant to it they just don't even think about it yeah. like it's just it's just what we do just like you're yeah. here and you just do it and when you're just given the option and you know like oh it's like just we have an agreement like we, we are writing a new social contract that this mm. is how we're going to do this um, people respect it for the most part so what, what what's on your radar for uh like how do you come across new up and coming artists like what what's what do you, do you just kind of this kind of appear or you kind of it's kind of a combination of things. I have been a member of a group called, uh, well, it was, it's Concerts in Your Home slash Listening Room Network, and that's sort of a curated connection site where it, uh, artists are vetted yeah. to be a part of it and be members, and then that gives them access to rooms and venues. So it's oh, wow. both listening room, you know, it's both house concert presenters and listening room uh, presenters as well. And so that's one source, and that tends to be people that are a little less exposed, but are, you know, the Red Warriors are out there. They're, you know, they have the talent. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And now, I mean, after five years, almost six years of doing this, I have connections with different agencies. And so if I have, you know, I've kind of built pockets at this point. I have a little L.A. pocket and an Austin pocket, and now I'm building, like, a North Carolina pocket. So, like... The artists that are there will tell their friends that they were there and then they yeah. will reach out and whatever so i've had a little bit of that happening but fundamentally i mean one of my uh things that i want to emphasize is having a having a gender balanced lineup which is tough in a live room I, it's not I, I, it's not I, tough to do but it's tough to find I, I notice on your facebook page you're a big fan of patriarchy and women women shouldn't do anything <laughs> Is that, did I get that right? I Is that, think that was the bizarro version of my Facebook page <laughs> that you found. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no. Yeah, so like, I mean, um, yeah, so so from, from your vantage point, d- describe that. Because it seems like women have, like Dolly Parton's gotten uh, some more accolades of late, like of her, of her, just of her her crazy writing chops and that you know musicians knew you know but like the public was like that's just dolly Parton." she was like but no actually she's a voracious songwriter you know she's very talented crazy acumen for business and just right i mean so yeah i mean it's fundamentally the way i mean it's it is the patriarchy it's the way the system's set up like it is it is radio has been this way print media has been this way i mean even if you look at who reviews albums Uh and tells you what's good like it's it's just a self-perpetuating cycle and so it's been that way for a long long time and i noticed i mean i noticed it 
I had to catch myself because the first year and a half that I was doing shows, I realized, oh, I have booked more beardy white guys named John yeah. than women. And was that just, just because? And it's because that's who came to me. Okay. Like, that's who, I mean, granted, that was, you know, it's the higher percentage of people that are out there and okay. people that are touring. And I will say touring in particular is harder uh, for women, especially yeah. solo singer songwriters. Yeah. Like, being on the road by yourself, they just, I think, aren't out as much. Uh-huh. Um and and for people of color, for LGBTQ artists, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a different world. Uh, so even getting to the level of tour, like every step of the way, just like every other industry and every yeah. other process, yeah. it's just more challenging. There are more barriers, and so it's not that the talent isn't out there. It's really just a matter of not taking. I mean, if I if I just booked the first people that came to me, I would have an all white male lineup. all all year long because that's who is constantly (laughs) telling me that they want shows right but it is not hard to find alternatives to that and there's just so many incredible artists that are not i mean i i say that my my focus is on amplifying underrepresented voices yeah and because it's there's just such an incredible wealth of of talent out there and you know a lot of the genre perspective that i focus on is would be classified under americana right but to me that means all of america like that's mu- you know all of music that comes from america or has an influence in you know america that's soul that's blues that's jazz mm-hmm. that's not just plinky plinky uh you know guy in a corner with an acoustic guitar like it's mm-hmm. it's just this huge breadth of of resources and influences and i really like seeing who's taking that into a new place yeah so that's yeah that's how i sort of direct what i'm looking for yeah that's awesome that's cool it's a bearded white guys named john bearded white guys <laughs> named john there's so many <laughs> that's, now that i think about it, i'm like huh well no vacancy actually <laughs> I mean, you gotta draw a line <laughs> so you've been in memphis 20 years mm-hmm. that's been a pretty good there's been a lot of change in 20 years, right? That's true. Um, Where were you before Memphis? I was all over the Midwest, fundamentally. I'm kind of a great Laker, born and bred. My family is from Minnesota. I was born in Minnesota. I lived in Michigan for a couple years, lived in Pennsylvania for seven years. And, uh, I noticed your Facebook said, said Memphisotan. Memphisotan. Right. Because, yes, Mem- Minnesota is, is my heart. It's my ancestral homeland. Oh, which part? Um, which part of Minnesota? My family's just outside of Minneapolis, in Minnetonka, home of the truck. <sighs> and, okay, so I spent... And the lo- purifying waters. Y- y- I, I, I spent a few summers at Minnewashita, which is... Right. Up, up the road, down, I don't know, to the it's west. It's around there. It's around there. You know, yep. So many minnas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Minna Trista. And then, and then uh, I also spent a lot of summers in uh, um, Irondale. Well, Moundsview. My uh, my grandfather worked at Irondale High School. Ah, gotcha. And yep. uh, so, yeah, walleye. Love walleye pike. <laughs> so my gosh. Walleye. Yeah, right? Yeah, can't, right? yeah, Jonathan's looking at me yeah, like, no, where, you, where's this you going? You talked about the smell. Come on, man. <laughs> Quite a bit. They yeah. even smell good when you clean them. I don't, I don't know why that is. It, it's a weird thing. <laughs> no, but Minnesota's awesome. That's cool. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, lots of arts in Minnesota. Are you getting some folks from, uh, they're coming down from the it's north? It's harder. North? I mean, it's interesting. I think one of the things is, is, you have to kind of be on a touring path, and yeah. so we, I do tend to get more artists from the from the south and the southeast. Um, but it's I reach out. There's a you know an artist I've been chasing for two years who's based out of Minneapolis, yeah. um, and we're trying. Like we're just we're going to make it work at some point. But sometimes, yeah, I have to look way down the road to get it to work, especially when people are out of the region. But yeah, I mean, I've booked 
I have an artist who's come back repeatedly from Australia and yeah, Canadians wow. and people in LA and Canadians. The Canadians. Wow. We interrupted you there. Uh, oh. Minnesota to Memphis. <laughs> Uh, actually, and by way of Chicago, I was, oh, in, I was yeah. in school in Chicago. Well, I was in school in Evanston. People get very upset if you say Chicago when you're in the northern suburbs. Um, <laughs> but I was in, so, but yeah, fundamentally a great Laker for, you know, the first half of my life. And, uh, yep, and then came down here. So it's really, this is the first place I ever lived where people knew I wasn't from here. So that was a change oh, in, my, yeah. in my cultural perspective. Yeah, yeah. I could I could pull it off pretty much anywhere else, but... They figured it out. Yeah, here, Where are you from? No, you're not from here. And now when I go back home, they make fun of my southern accent. Right, so really, mm-hmm. oh gosh, have I picked up a southern accent, Jonathan? Do I? I don't have one yet. Do I? I, you know, you had already been here uh, a few years before I. Well, we started playing together. Yeah, I got the Southern California thing still a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you're you, de- you definitely don't have a southern accent right. compared to what I just said. Okay. <laughs> and then what I said again. <laughs> so what do you have? Uh, you got this year uh, dialed in yet? You got some things happening? A lot of it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because uh, I, I would love to be able to just roll out a whole season and be like, this is what's happening. This is, you know, this yeah. is the whole year. Buy a, buy a subscription. Do the whole thing. Oh, wow. But I, it, it is so kind of piecemeal trying to, you know, make, make routing work and make things happen. So, yeah, I'm booked right now through May and then... September, October, November. So yeah. I have so I have some gaps in between. But would you say that's a goal to do to do a year? I would like to. Yeah, to have it all to have it all laid out, but most artists aren't booking that far ahead and it's hard to you know get wow. that sort of stuff locked down. So we talked about how you find artists. Is there any kind of a I don't know, sometimes I like to talk a little pedagogy. Is is there something you could speak to up and coming artists about uh, good artist etiquette regarding uh, bookings and how to tour how to headspace and some things you know let's see to a degree i mean i've really one nice thing about being able to curate the experience is that i've also kind of curated the artists yeah. i haven't had you know have had no bad experiences i have no one who's and it's really i mean especially when people were staying in my house it would always strike me i would try so hard to make them feel comfortable to make them feel like they could do you know let their hair down be totally comfortable do your laundry do whatever you know mm. have the whole thing and they were so trained to leave no trace that they existed right everything would be exactly the way you know the trash would be empty that they wouldn't touch the food everything would be so we we were in this like constant battle like let me take care of you no no you must not (laughs) acknowledge me in any way i will not be a bother uh so we would outplight each other a lot and that tends to be the circumstance i find with with most artists again i'm not dealing with you know a lot of a lot of craziness it's mostly broken bo- lamps or, or, or yeah. furniture smashing through so yeah yeah uh-huh. it's like oh no you put that in the garbage can without a liner how dare you like it's just it's not it's not a bad thing so it's interesting to deal with artists both some who are booking themselves and some who are working with representation uh-huh. and more and more i'm i'm dealing with managers and artists uh, with agents directly but still occasionally have have work with artists and really i think i mean just kind of having a schedule having your plan in place like knowing you know knowing to check in a week beforehand get all the advance done right all that sort of stuff but and really just being open to feedback too i mean i know when i was an agent sometimes 
a venue would just say no and wouldn't tell you why and you just kind of have to roll with it i've yeah. had people argue with me i've had people try to convince me that it was a good fit or what and sometimes you just yeah have to accept it's not it's not for everything you know right. you can't be everywhere you can't be the thing that everybody wants at that point and it's i try very hard to explain it's not personal like i just i know what my audience is i know oh. what's going to work okay um, and if I can give people feedback, but there is something specifically like, oh, I, I would think about it, but I need to see. I mean, there are some artists that um, I think would be a great performance, but I don't know how I'm going to promote them because they don't have enough of an online presence. Like uh -huh. if you don't have half a dozen videos that I can share over a couple weeks, it's going to be harder for me to get people interested. So, wow. you know, all those all those things, all those businessy things of. Mm -hmm just being on top of you know curating your presence it doesn't you know yes it'd be great if your youtube video has 50,000 hits right but i think fundamentally it matters more that you have a one well-produced video that actually shows what you do and can yeah. make you look professional instead of some blurry bar thing that and, and, somebody put and, up yeah and does, well and does it matter does it matter to you if it's a live a, a well executed live performance video or can it be like an artistic you know directed by so-and-so like th does that matter to you it doesn't really i like to see both just to get okay. a sense of what a performance is going to be like uh -huh. um it can give you a better sense and especially with the uh with the web network that i use it, it says specifically like i i'd love to see stage banter if i can i'd love to just have an idea that you're that you can build a connection that you have right. i mean it's i can deal with an artist that spends the entire night just playing their songs back to back to back and doesn't really have anything going on in between uh -huh. but it's nicer when they do and right. it, it especially in that environment it definitely creates more of a connection and i think sometimes some bar artists aren't as familiar with having done you know i mean they're used to nobody listening so they don't really focus on that aspect of it so i think if you are it's interesting because i've had some artists some local folks who are planning on um doing more house shows and that type of thing asks me what they need to do and what what's different about that type of performance mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that i tell them like you need to be prepared to have a conversation people are going to talk to you like you're sitting right in front of them at the dinner table because you kind of are <laughs> so be ready for that and right. be ready you know treat it you just treat it in a different way and it's mm -hmm. that fourth wall is kind of broken with that type of performance so if that's i think it's a great venue choice for people i think a lot more artists especially of that vein and up-and-coming artists should think about the house yeah. show circuit and consider that an option and even i mean there are really well-established artists that i think could have a nice safe financially sustainable tuesday night if they yeah. would like you know that was one of the things that i ran into early on too is that some people that had a representation would just flat out say they don't do house shows it's like but what about this house? Like this is, I do a different kind of house. Like this is not uh -huh. just a bunch of people in the living room. Like this is, this is an event and it's going to be handled professionally, but you can't, you know, you can't always convince people of that. Right. So, but it's, yeah, I think being open to all those different types of experiences is helpful too. And not kind of shutting off the idea like, Oh, this is going to be, I guess in that, and that's a little terrific. bit of the defense of that, they could have been burned. Like, oh, bad. sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, well, Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, I have one artist who has said like, he, thought he was doing a house show and it was a private 
show it was one person oh not weird at all so weird wow and bless his heart he stayed oh god uh, and survived so that's good what was that movie misery bad. with it was, like, <laughs> oh, high potential for hobbling Ooh, yeah it oh. was it was not good wow that's intense <laughs> Um, yeah, so Green Room, if y'all uh, listening here, have, we, we've mentioned Crosstown. We've actually even had a, a podcast at Crosstown with the uh, some of the driving uh, uh, folks there that drive Crosstown Arts. Uh, such a, a, an amazing venue, right? Fantastic, yeah. Golly, yeah. I've played the theater, the Green Room. and the, Is there a, an official name for the stage outside the art bar, like that raised? Like, do they call that atrium something? Atrium? Yeah, it's the West Atrium, but yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if it has even that. You know, my first time playing it, I thought this is going to sound like a high school gym, and it sounded great. Like it, I don't like there's some. Yeah, Daryl's great. There's some mystery magic with the acoustics uh, happening there all over that place. Yeah, and no. Daryl. <laughs> <And Darryl. laughs> so, so what do you, do you have any vision casting for for you know? There's a lot of buzz that Memphis is on on the rise. Do you, you kind of do you sense that, or is it? I mean, it's just been a good steady. You know, we like to. I think what's interesting, and in one of the <laughs> in one of my many jobs, I have an opportunity opportunity to interview uh people that are you know doing cool things in memphis and i've talked to a lot of people you know in the arts in particular and and the thing that i hear over and over is people are people are coming back to memphis like there was kind of a 10 15 year period where people really had the perspective that there was nothing for them um particularly young people of color would think we have to go to dc have to go to atlanta and um, they're coming back home because they're seeing that there are opportunities here. There are things happening. Um, there's so many. There's so much new energy, and there's uh, there's kind of that mentality. I mean, the the Memphis, the Memphis grudge, the Memphis chip on your shoulder, the Memphis we're never as good as everybody else kind mm. of attitude has moved aside. I think eighty percent of the way and turned into oh, if somebody's not doing it already, I can do it. Mm. And it's such a town that opens his arms to that and it yeah. makes things so, like I don't like I think about trying to do what I'm doing in Minneapolis and it would there'd be so many barriers there'd be so much other competition there'd be uh-huh. just kind of a fight to get around you know to do things in an unconventional way and Memphis is like try it give it a shot like mm. this is we made everything up we made up hotels we made up grocery stores we made up <laughs> over like just do it give it a yeah. shot and I think that mentality has really kind of permeated the art space right now i mean crosstown arts is an amazing example like yeah, yeah we're gonna take this million square foot building and forget all the you know we're not gonna put a target in here we're gonna <laughs> make it be this amazing thing that no one's ever seen before right. and it's gonna be anchored by an arts institution yeah and you know those are the opportunities that we have that i think really make memphis special any other uh, venues that you like to haunt at or uh, where do you like to go when you when you have time <laughs> in all of my in all of my free time there's so many i mean there's so many great new spaces now i mean yeah. the underground at third and court is mm. fantastic yeah. and i actually haven't been to hernando's hideaway yet but i have i actually have mm. tickets for Corey brandon's show i'll oh. shout that out on valentine's day um but uh paul this will probably be but it's uh there's yeah i mean god i'm even trying to think there's I mean the Halloran Center. I was actually just walking by the other day. I was like, "Oh, this didn't this didn't exist when I started." Right. Like there just wasn't a there wasn't a. God, I 
I think it's two or three hundred seat theater. Like yeah. that's I mean the people I see on their marquee are people that I there's a little overlap of folks that I would go after right. as well. And um, so yeah, seeing that those spaces are there and or even the lot like that's modular. They can do the lobby, they can do the whole theater. Like mm-hmm. and I think more people are just thinking about um, using spaces in different ways and being more welcoming. You know, having a place that doesn't have TVs that doesn't have competition and yeah. that actually acknowledging oh people want to do this so. that's cool I love that man I'm so hyped up right now <laughs> you want to cool. go make some art for me I want to go make some art just <laughs> go just go to a show I think I mean I think one of the one of the things that's become more important this will be my little soapbox is that you know as we see with the way the music industry has changed with CD mm-hmm. sales going down with you know I mean I heard Mark Edgar Stewart, one of my former guests and uh, a buddy of mine, talking about you know people buy CDs just to be nice, but no one's actually listening to them. And uh-huh. uh, going to a show is really one of the most direct ways that you can financially support an right. artist. And right. yeah, throwing extra money in the tip jar and doing as much as you can, um, just showing up and then you know telling telling other people, building that community, but fundamentally just being there is really the most successful source we have to make sure the money goes from an audience member to an artist that's good that's cool are, are you uh, you taking on any new clients or, or is that is that kind of just as it presents itself or uh, uh for booking yeah or, no, no that yeah. went that went away yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. that, yeah i i kind of shut that side of things down um it's it's one of those things i think about like in the future if i were you know, if I did have, you know, once the kids are out of the house or if I okay. have other, other things going on, uh, might think about, you know, think about management, think about uh, booking again. But it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's a lot of, I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I I fully respect how hard it is to get gigs. And so I try to make my side of the experience be as easy as yeah. I can. That's great. I know uh, we'll take a slight little break because Jonathan is addressing his lovely boy in the next <laughs> <laughs> a toothache today or something going on there. All good, Jonathan? Yeah, y'all keep going. Oh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk to us. <laughs> well, how you doing on time? I, I'm fine. Fantastic. Um, I liked how we talked about um, some any other advice to, to up, up and coming artists. Um, you did mention the importance of video, the visual. Um, and just kind of having a good work ethic is helpful, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really just understanding that that's part of, that's just part of it. Yeah. It's it's hard enough if you are doing all those things, and if you're not, I don't see how anyone gets... Anywhere. Know, gets anywhere. It has been interesting, though, even in, in the artists that I've worked with, there are some that just are really, truly doing it for the art of it. And okay. they happen to be able to make a living at it, or they're, you know, have have the ability to do it but it's they're not they're not seeking fame they're not trying to be yeah. the next big thing yeah. they just really this is what they do and yeah. this, is, this is their skill and uh, so I don't want to say the key to success is don't strive for superstardom but just understanding that it is it is a way to make a living yeah. and if you put your time into it and and focus on it that you can be the best employer you're ever going to have, it uh, might kind of put that perspective where it needs to be. That's cool. I I, I 
still come up with a stereotype with some folks in my family of uh you know the musician stereotype you know you're just kind of uh, do you have that jonathan in your family you know the uh, which are you talking about no uh, just as far as uh, uh folks that have uh, uh difficulties maybe with with the real world therefore they're a, a musician and uh oh um <laughs> Of the saying of like, but I constantly tell my folks. I said, you know what? I'm blessed to work with guys that actually show up on time and want to get called back. So there's there's yeah, a mo- there's I mean, a motocrim of work ethic happening to where you know I, I don't work. I typically don't work with the stereotypes. A lot of people in my family sometimes. Uh, think yeah, of, I mean, you reach a point you where know? that's just unacceptable. I mean, you, you just you just don't let that in anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I can't complain about that anymore. But. Yeah, and the magic of touring artists in particular, like you just you can't, like you can't you can't sustain yourself on the road for any amount of time I, I if you are not keeping on top of things. Oh, gosh. Um, just yeah, your basic survival depends on having your act together. What, what little margin there is just goes goes away. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I thought you were talking about stereotype of uh, uh, what a non-musicians are not or people who are not in the business assuming that um if somebody's trying to be a musician they're trying to make it yeah. you know, quote air quotes you know like you know be on tv be famous be the person whereas you know most jobs are never going to be seen you right. know, and that they actually make the business happen make that person on the screen sound as good as yeah I, I, I was i was kind of maybe alluding to more of the darker you know the dark- <laughs> lazy and or substance abuse and or whatever you know but I'm, I'm thinking like i i rarely work with those folks <laughs> no. it's always people working really hard <laughs> to to do it you know keep it keep it going well andrea thank you i mean i, I think we've, we've covered i mean you, you're, you're brilliant this is fantastic i it's so so good to meet you and My uh pleasure. looking forward to to all more goodness coming out across town um we'll of course put up all, all your deets all your stuff on on uh, on our links and uh uh, anything else coming down the pike that you're excited about? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you get with all your schedule, but any, any kind of highlights? Uh? Yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, I'm already I'm really excited for the fall. I mean, it's really fun when I just have a new artist cross my path, and then that actually becomes someone who is. I mean, not just that I'm listening to or interested in, but like I'm playing them all the time. Oh wow! And uh, I came across through her agent, uh, who worked with another one of my artists. Uh, a woman named Carsey Blanton. Mm-hmm. Of, she's based out of New Orleans right now. And she was, I mean, if you look at uh, the Fresh Air music critic on NPR music, mm-hmm. he had his ten, his top 10 albums of the year. Okay. It's it's Lizzo, it's Lana Del Rey, it's Tanya Tucker, it's, you know, all these amazing artists. And it's Carsey. Mm. And he said that she had one of, you know, the the most underrated album of the year. Oh, wow. And I love it. The record is great. Her, just She's a fantastic presence. And she's actually, coming in September and kind of part of her tour mission is to also get involved in kind of social causes as she's mm-hmm. as she's touring and so she's we're doing a voter drive we're doing you know mm-hmm. all these things in connection to her being a really super awesome fun musician and amazing artist but bringing a little greater good as well so that, yeah. that'll be our September show and one of the great things we've been able to do across town is kind of have a set schedule so we're there the second Saturday of every month okay uh, except for June but every every other month and uh, so that makes it a little easier for people to know when we're there and uh, how to support what we're doing terrific thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it thanks so much for having me Alrighty. All right. But thank you again to Andrea for hanging out with us. And maybe if you if you have uh, a home or some property that you could <laughs> you could turn into a venue, you could even hire us. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, we, we've got some groups. Oh, gosh. Uh, and But that would be... Uh, I look forward to... I'm, I'm just going to... I just want to say I want to take advantage of more live entertainment when this but when the pathogen is uh, gone. Yeah, we should also I, say too, and which I'm sure most people are aware of, but uh, check out live streaming stuff, virtual tipping. Oh yes, no doubt. You know, it's and and folk all y'all would be a good uh, a good spot to check. You know, yes, yes. Get links for for local artists and everything, and, and not and even not so local. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean give excellent people point. are hurting all right well we'll catch you on the next episode